The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. When my way groweth dreary, precious love lingered near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call, hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on. Let me stand, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn. The storm through the night, lead me home to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When the shadows appear and the night draweth near. And the day is past and gone. At the river I stand, guide my feet, hold my hand, take my hand, precious Lord, lead me. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn, through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to talk with you today about this issue of living and dying. It's very serious. This wonderful old song, Take My Hand, Precious Lord. When the shadow draws near, well, we're much closer to that shadow drawing near than you could even begin to imagine. Right now, America and the American church 
is beginning to see persecution. We're beginning to see Christians who are disregarded, who are looked as looked upon as enemies. The name of Jesus is being cursed. We're watching as as you and I face very difficult situations financially and emotionally. A country that is systematically being torn apart by evil men and women who desire to destroy America. It's the cry of their heart to burn and to loot. One foolish political person said, let them loot because they need what they're taking. Has need ever been an acceptable reason for stealing from another, for looting, for burning, for ravaging? I don't think so. Part of what we have to come to terms with is the wounding of our hearts that biting, binding, horrible thing that we've taken very lightly called sin. The message of the cross is one of great hope and expectation. Pardon me. But it also carries a very high demand. A demand that I cannot accept unless I am willing to obey the will of God. You cannot be forgiven of your sin unless you're willing to be made holy, unless you're willing to be made righteous. You cannot be forgiven of your sin and continue to walk in the way of the world. And What is frankly very exciting for me about this time in which we're living is that the gray area is being removed. The light is growing and the darkness is growing. And so you must choose the light or the darkness and you can't choose both. It's one or the other. Repentance, we've heard for many years, is a a change of mind. But literally, it is a total and complete change of every part of life. I live my life until... I repent. And when I repent and turn to Jesus, I live a different life. I live his life. 
He lives his life in me. One man can go north, and the next day he can go south, east or west. He will make a decision about what direction he is going to go based on what controls his mind and his heart, particularly what controls his heart. We are always drawn to follow after what our heart desires and what our heart treasures. So, let's be honest with one another. The entrance into the kingdom of God is not cheap and it's not easy. The question of your eternal destiny is not a casual matter. We have not repented until our repentance has recognized that we are in a situation with a life-threatening wound. Until we recognize that we have fourth-stage cancer And there is no hope for our cancer. Cancer, when it comes in its final stages, takes the fight out of a man's heart. It takes away self-defense. It wounds us. No person has repented until his repentance has become a wound. Until your sin is a desperate, bloody wound in your body that you know you will bleed out and die if you don't deal with it. If you can still reason about your sin, you still love your sin. And you've not yet recognized that you are wounded and that you must repent. Our awareness of sin in our hearts, and let's be clear what sin is. Sin is not the classical definition of harmatia. There is a biblical definition give in, given in 1 John, and that biblical definition is lawlessness, rebellion. There is a volitional element. There is a voluntary element in all sin where we give ourselves voluntarily to the rebellion against God. Our awareness of our true condition before God must move beyond our reasoning ability. It has to get into our heart. It has to get into our, our emotions. It has, to, it has to come alive in us so that we know that my sin nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. I'm responsible for Jesus' death. He died for me. My sin 
must become in my soul a biting, binding, horrible thing that I must be healed of. As soon as we begin to reason about a thing, because it's on our conscience, we know we're not yet willing to repent of it. And you know you're in grave danger. You're hunting a place to hide. You don't see that your sin has wounded you. You're looking for a way to enjoy your sin. We live in a day when everybody wants to be happy. Your happiness will be very short-lived if you are not first made holy. Holiness only comes by being reconciled with God, by being made right with God. Repentance is the road to holiness. But to travel that road, you must know, you must feel, you must understand that you're dying. That you have a deep, life-threatening wound. And that there is no hope for you outside of Jesus. I have lived through the death with cancer. My late wife died in my arms of cancer. I watched as that cancer ravaged her body. I watched brokenheartedly. I carried her to the shower. I took care of her. I watched as the cancer separated her from me. She went into a realm that was beyond my ability to reach. All I could do was to love her while she died. Jan was always a woman of great strength, great courage, very positive. She always had a plan. She always had an encouraging word. But as the cancer ravaged her body, she lost all interest in this world. She lost all interest in plans for the, for the tomorrow. Her only concern was Jesus is coming for me. I'm going home to be with Jesus. She wanted scripture read. She wanted prayer. Oh, she wanted love. But she knew and I knew that she was transitioning to another realm, to another place with Jesus. Now, please, sin is a cancer. 
and it too will take the fight out of your heart. It will steal your tomorrows. Sin will steal your love relationships with others. It will cause you to become bitter and angry. Sin will cause you to separate and divorce. Sin will cause you to think only of yourself. Sin is a horrible, biting thing, binding. You must come to terms with your sin if you're going to follow Jesus. In Romans, the sixth chapter, we're going to be spending a lot of time in the coming days in Romans, the sixth chapter. It opens with this question. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Shall we go on sinning so that God will give us more and more medicine? More chemotherapy? No. Sin is poison. It destroys us. It steals from us. Now, what shall we say then is in reference to chapter 5. Let me read a few passages out of chapter 5. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin was not taken into account when there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. So Adam sinned. And then he gave birth after his kind to sinners of which all of us were born of Adam, were men of sin, were women of sin. Now, we can pretend that we are not sinners and that we're okay, or we can pretend that we can continue to walk in our sin and be okay. But sin brings death. And if you continue to walk in that sin, you will have no tomorrow except in the fire. Sin has to be dealt with. It is a desperately evil and wicked thing. And Adam sinned. And the whole creation was destroyed. The whole creation came under the bondage of death. I hate death. I hate the death of an animal. I hate the death of a man or a woman even more. 
death came. And we have to deal with this issue of death. For sin brings death. The gift is not like the trespass. Verse 15. The gift of Jesus doesn't bring death. One man brought death to the whole world. One man, Jesus Christ, by his gift, by the gift of God. It results in justification. But not for every person. Only for those who repent and turn away from their sin. Can I tell you what's really on my heart today? I was up this morning early. I was praying. Frankly, I was not just casually praying. I was struggling in prayer. I was praying for you. The Lord knew you'd be listening to this broadcast today. I was praying for every person who would listen to this broadcast. I was praying for you. And the Lord told me to speak tenderly to you. He told me that he loves you. And that he's concerned about you. You see, in the in the message to the Laodicea church. <clears throat> Christians are told, you really don't understand your true condition. A change has to happen. You have to begin to understand who you are and what you are. And you have to understand that you're blind and naked and miserable even though you may do everything in your power to cover up your brokenness. <clears throat> you can't cover forever the brokenness of your heart. Now we can say things. We can say, Jesus is my Savior. I trust in Jesus. I'm okay. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Who are you trying to convince? Are you convincing yourself of that? In spite of your sin? You don't have any question? The first thing those... Christians in Laodicea were told to do was buy gold tried in the fire 
Well, what's that about? That's about making a very clear decision as I find myself in trying circumstances having to make a decision about whether or not I'll really trust Jesus. I read the scriptures. I read the gospels. I particularly love the gospels of Jesus, particularly the gospel of John. I love them all, but particularly John. And first John. I read these wonderful words. My heart is convicted. Because my experience doesn't match the experience I find in the book of Acts or in the Gospels. Am I just supposed to do the best I can and hope that everything works out? No. No, I can't establish truth based on my experience. Truth is based on what the scriptures say. Jesus is the truth. He's the way. He's the life. So part of what I have to do is begin in those difficult things that come to me. And believe me, more and more difficult things are going to come to you. This COVID-19, this has been hard. Wearing the mask, that's hard. For me, it's hard. I don't like the mask. It steams up my glasses. It gets hot and sweaty, and I don't get enough oxygen. But it's also isolating. It's separating. It's dividing. I don't like that. As sickness comes, as as government regulations are imposed, as finances become more and more difficult, as we don't know how we're going to survive financially or emotionally. I say to some people when I meet them and we greet one another, I say, I am sick of this whole mess. And they agree, yes, I'm sick of it too. But you know what? We're not going back to normal. We live in a new normal. We live in the end of the age. And so as we face this end of the age, we have to begin making a decision, and that's what the gold represents. Will we begin to trust Jesus? Will we begin to cast all of our cares upon him? Will we begin to say, Jesus is my Lord? Will we begin to cry out in the prayer closet, not just for our own life, but for our nation? Will we listen in our mind 
and in our heart? Will we listen to what Jesus wants to say? Will we turn off the television and the radio and the internet long enough to sit in the presence of Jesus and listen? And listen. And listen to what he's trying to say to us. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? That's a serious question. Through the one man's obedience... Many of us can find salvation. But we're going to have to deal with this sin issue. Sin is not just making a mistake. John Wesley was very clear about that. We all make mistakes. We all have one infirmity or another. When I go out, which I don't do, but if I did go to the golf course and I couldn't hit that hole in one that I should be able to hit, is that sin? Harmatia in the classical Greek means missing the mark. So, Some Christians have adopted the wicked belief that all Christians sin all the time. That's simply not true. And Paul asks a question, and he would not ask this question if he didn't have a solid answer of no. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Absolutely no, he says. By no means. It's the strongest possible refusal in the Greek language. No, we shall not continue in our sin. Well, if we don't continue in our sin, what's the modern church talking about when it's saying we can never leave our sin? Well, it's making the blood of Jesus the same as the blood of bulls and goats, saying that our sin is only covered until we die. Well, death isn't my Savior. Jesus is my Savior. Please, my brother, my sister, don't don't feel defensive. I'm not I'm not trying to condemn. I'm not being a legalist. I'm simply saying, Paul asks the question, <clears throat> shall, we go, shall we go on sinning so that the grace of Jesus can cover us? And he answers, no. So if the Apostle Paul is saying we should not go on sinning, should I believe the modern preachers who say you can't help but go on sinning? Is Paul lying to us? He says, 
we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We died to sin. How can we go on living in sin if we've died to it? Do you see what I'm talking about? How are you going to deal with all of the things that are beginning to happen in America? How are you going to deal with loss of jobs, maybe even the loss of your house? How are you going to deal with that? Well, the immediate answer is I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to depend upon Jesus. And that's the right answer. We're going to trust Jesus. He's going to carry us through. If I can trust Jesus to carry me through into eternity, can I trust Jesus to deal with my heart? my cancer, my sin. Can Jesus heal my wound? Can Jesus heal my sin? Some of you have gone back to your sin so many times you've repented you've said Jesus please forgive me and every day you you say Lord forgive me for my sin some churches every every Sunday in their in their liturgy they say we have sinned against you Jesus forgive us for our sin well wait a minute wait a minute that's not what Paul said. So the very church liturgy is lying to us. It's leading us down a dark path of continuing the wicked cancer that eats away at our heart called sin. That biting, binding, horrible thing called sin, rebellion, against God. So is that okay if, if I continue to go in my sin and follow the lust of my heart and call myself a Christian? Is it okay that I'm... Well, let me, let me turn in and read something for you. Keep your finger right there if you're following in, in the book of Romans over here in Colossians. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. In other words, sin makes us an enemy of God. Now, you can paint that any way you'd like, but the reality is sin. When you sin, when you rebel voluntarily against God, when you make decisions, somebody said, 
Well, Pastor, I couldn't help myself. I stopped them. I said, no, that's not true. Jesus said we would not be tempted beyond our ability. The Apostle Paul wrote this. We would not be tempted, but a way of escape would be provided. So we don't, we don't fall into sin. We jump into sin. We voluntarily give ourselves to it. Now he says, in him, this is verse 11, this is Colossians 2, verse 11. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature. You were, you were circumcised by Jesus. The sinful nature's gone if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus. He says, you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature. Not with a circumcision done by hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Have you experienced that? He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, he identifies what belongs to our sinful nature. Sexual immorality. Impurity. That would include pornography. That would include lust. That would include evil desires. Greed. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. And don't lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self. So again, we come back to this question that I have rushed past so many times in the reading of the scripture, and I don't want us to rush past it today. Paul asks an honest question. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Do you believe that once you're saved... You're saved eternally, and you cannot be lost. And you can sin all you want, but it's covered because Jesus forgave past, present, and future sins at the cross. If you believe that, you believe a lie. He did not do that. At the cross, he forgave our past sins when we repent. And at the cross... By his grace, he made available to us 
a full redemption. He simply paid the price on Calvary. He did not finish the work of redemption for you until you take a hold of it. If I say to you, I'm giving you a million dollars, it's in Burke and Herbert Bank. And you never go to Burke and Herbert Bank and you never access the million dollars. It was given, but you didn't access it. How do we access the million dollars? By repent, repentance. By seeing that we desperately need that gift of righteousness. By recognizing that we're going to die if we don't accept it and access it. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Is God going to be so kind and so patient that no, no matter how much you sin against him, he still will cover that over with the blood of a precious atoning sacrifice? That's what happened in the old covenant. The sins were covered over by the blood of bulls and goats. But even in that case, if a man sinned intentionally against God, if he murdered someone, if he sinned intentionally and broke the law, he could be executed for that. In the new covenant, it's no different. If you don't repent of your sin, you will die. Can you trust Jesus? Can you trust Jesus to remove sin from your heart? I, I can, and I do, and he does. He removes sin from our hearts. He takes away the lust. He breaks the bondage of drugs. He breaks the bondage of pride. He breaks the bondage of darkness over my life. And he will over yours. So when Paul asks the question, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? No. Now, I want to read for you another passage of Scripture over here in the book of Titus. This is Titus, the second chapter. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they make the teachings about God our Savior attractive. Now, all of us hate slavery. But Paul is saying, don't fight against your slave master. But in everything, try to please them. Don't talk back to them. Don't steal from them. Demonstrate 
the gospel of Jesus Christ in a most difficult situation. Don't sin. Now, that was verse 10, concurrent now at verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation. That is the grace of God that brought salvation to the slave that teaches him to not fight against his master, but to demonstrate the gospel. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So grace does not cover over and hide our sin. Grace instead teaches us to say no to sin. No to ungodliness. No to worldly passions. To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with authority. Do not let anybody despise you. So in this teaching today, I am simply obeying what the Apostle Paul told Titus to do. I am teaching you to say no to ungodliness, to say no to worldly passions, to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age, even if you're a slave. Even if you're, if you look a few verses earlier, even if you're in a white, even if you're in a marriage where you're unhappy. The Lord hates divorce. He's saying, let grace teach you to be self-controlled. Let it teach you to say no to ungodliness. Let it teach you to say no to worldly passions, to bitterness, rage, and anger, cursing, talking back. Be made righteous. Some of you have such a temper. Some of you are so impatient. Some of you are harsh with your children. Some of you are harsh with your wife or with your husband, and you scorn them. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? have to come to terms with with sin sin is an ugly bleeding cancer in our body and it will kill us if left untreated sin must be dealt with and the only way sin can be dealt with is through confession honest confession 
and turning away from it. As long as there is no turning away from your sin, you are bound to die for eternity. You cannot live with some affirmation or some confession that Jesus loves you and I'm saved. Not if you're still walking in sin. You're not saved. What are you to be saved from? You're to be saved from sin. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil in your life. Will you let Jesus come and destroy sin in your life? Will you let him come and apply the cure, the blood of Jesus Christ? Will you renounce your sin today? Will you identify it? And will you renounce it? Will you stop all reasoning with sin and recognize it for what it is? A bitter, binding, horrible thing that will drain your life away and cause you to be eternally lost? I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how faithful you are to your church. I care about only one thing. Are you faithful to Jesus Christ? And have you left behind what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about? You know what I'm talking about. Have you cut off that wickedness? And do you now rest in peace in Jesus Christ? Well, we're out of time for today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'd love to hear from you. We have come to the first day of a new month. And I'm able to stay on this radio station only as you are moved by the Holy Spirit to give. We're going to continue this study in Romans, the sixth chapter. I urge you to read it carefully. Answer carefully the question, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Is your answer a resounding no? If not, you're in disagreement with the Apostle Paul and with Jesus. Please write to me. The National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com, and in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, you'll see a donate button, and you can give online. And I thank the many of you who this last month regularly gave two minutes i treasure your gifts these gifts are allowing us 
to pay month by month the radio broadcast. I could not do it without you. Some give $5. Some give $3,000. Thank you for whatever you can give. I know that soon I need to begin announcing meetings where you can come and hear the preaching and experience the fullness of revival in your life. Revival comes with repentance. Your heart must be convicted. I'm waiting upon the Lord to open the way with a provision so that I can do these things. Please pray for me, Pastor Ray Greenley. Lift me up before the throne in this broadcast this week. This will probably be the most important week of broadcasts I've ever done. I'm giving this broadcast day by day this week at the direct command of Jesus to me. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'm praying for you. Honestly deal with this question of, shall shall I go on sinning? God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.